So what do you think about this situation? You get a call from your boss, your manager, your supervisor. On top of that, it's on a Friday. You know what that is. Suddenly, there's a lot of nerves. You go into the boss's office. Your supervisor is looking at you, or your manager, or whoever it might be, who has authority over you. And you're worried, obviously, because it is a Friday, what's going to happen. Meanwhile, your boss looks at you, and the supervisor says to you, listen, I want to know, can we be friends? I mean, how would you react if your boss asked you, or your commanding officer, or your manager said, can we be friends? That is so off the mark on so many different levels. It's weird, in some cases it's creepy, it makes no sense at all. You're the boss, I'm lower. You're the commanding general, or whatever, the commanding officer, I'm the lowly. You're the superior, I'm the inferior. The rules of the road are pretty clear on these things. To ask, therefore, if a superior being to an employee says, can we be friends, is absolutely ridiculous. Of course, you're probably your next course is trying to figure this out, and then you probably call HR after this. <laughs> because lines are being crossed. It's just not done. The rules of the road, as far as superior and inferior, and moving into funny kinds of relationships, are well-defined, and they always have been. Know your place actually means something. And that's why it's really amazing today in John's gospel about Jesus and his relationship with the disciples. Who is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of a master, of a teacher. The teacher imparts wisdom to the disciples. The disciples learn how to follow the ways of the master. It is pretty clear who is driving this relationship. For the role of the disciple is to learn everything from the master, like a teacher to a student. But in today's Gospel of John, Jesus does something incredibly remarkable. He, in fact, bridges the gap. He takes the initiative to destroy that relationship, if you will, to change or alter that relationship permanently. He says to them, I want to be your friend. And that whole idea of Jesus talking to his disciples about friendship really is a mind blower to us who understand our relationship with God. We don't think of ourselves as a friend of Jesus, or Jesus is our friend. Yeah, when you're a little child, you heard that. But clearly, as adults, we do not think that way. And it's interesting that Jesus moves to close the gap. And he says to them, I call you friends. Now, friendship is something that has to happen. That love in friendship comes with peers. There's a certain mutuality. There's an equality. A teacher is not a friend to a student. There's too much of a gap. There's no equality in that. You do not have a sense of love 
in a professional relationship. Respect, yes, but not love. What Jesus is doing is saying something very interesting, and he basically says to them, we have a level of, re of equality, because he says, everything that I have, I have given to you. You know how I think. An employee does not know how an employer is thinking. They only get the orders and to follow. But Jesus is saying, you are my friends because I've hid nothing from you. Everything that I am, I have shared with you, like friends do with each other. And this way, what Jesus is doing is elevating the disciples in terms of a partnership with his own ministry. He's sharing with them. For the word to know and the word to love in the scriptures are linked together. To know something is to love it. To love something means you have to know it. It's both and. It's not the way we use those words. Jesus also goes further than that. And he says, you are my friends in the love that you share for one another. Love one another as I've taught you. Now, that's the other parts of this thing. And that is the un unbelievable mandate that Jesus has to love. The problem we have in our culture is that love is nothing the way Jesus is speaking about it. For us, the idea of love is, oh, I love this and I, I love that person. No, you're attracted to that person. You don't love them. For love is a choice. It's not an attraction. Love is something also that moves me and changes me in the very process. All love requires a certain level of sacrifice of self. And this is really something we as Americans have a very difficult time. We are so obsessed, if you will, about personal freedom. I want to do what I want to do on my terms all the time. But I want to love. Sorry, you can't. For what Jesus is saying, that love requires most definitely a level of self-sacrifice. You cannot love and not make sacrifices. It doesn't work that way. That's the quest for an emotional feeling. No greater love does one have than to lay down their life for their friends. And I call you my friends. This is the Savior of the world talking to his disciples that I freely lay down my life, for you are my friends. I will give you, I love you. I will let go of my wants for your good. The Christian notion of love always has this component to it. That the love, to love means I reprioritize my decisions. That my wants are not the front side of my decisions. But rather the good of the other drives me in how I make decisions. How I enter into friendship. Good friends support each other even though it might be inconvenient for the individual. And if we live in a culture that's so hypersensitive about being inconvenient, I think some ways we are damaging our ability to love. And if we don't know how to love, then as, as the second reading says, then we can never 
find God. All these pieces come together perfectly on Mother's Day. What mother among us didn't sort of have to make a lot of sacrifices in being a mother? You had your greatest plans, and guess what? Weren't they a great fantasy as life goes on? And yet, it wasn't the burden of a child or a family. It was also a new delight to build them up, to foster, to nurture, and to guide. You moms know about sacrificial love. You know what it means, in fact, to put yourself out for the sake of the other, like Jesus does for us. And indeed, we see the other develop, development of love or dimension of love from the first reading in Acts. When Peter is speaking about the Gentiles coming into the church and there's some resistance, they're not our kind. And Jesus says, look at what's happening among the Gentiles. They too should be baptized. That love is also inclusive. It is never narrow. Love by its very nature is expansive. It is a choice to make a sacrifice for a universal good. This is what it means to love as Jesus. A lot of times I think about the history of the church and I, I think about the ebbs and flows. I mean, the Catholic Church has got probably the longest bureaucracy and organizational chart we've ever, any other organizations have ever had over 2,000 years. And God knows People like to play with org charts, they like to play with money, they like to play with responsibilities and job descriptions, and they're all fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, sometimes we're not very good at Let's Let's work out the loving part. It's like having a perfect car with everything in it, but no gasoline. Love is the fuel of the disciples in a relationship with Jesus. And when we spend time in the easy parts because we can analyze it in our head, because we can also turn off our hearts, we do damage to the body of Christ. That's why Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, and all life will be changed forever. Happy Mother's Day.